today is, uh, quite honestly, a show that hits close to home. How close? Steve Baker, a journalist for uh, Blaze TV, was arrested today by the FBI for doing journalism. Now, I'm not saying that he agrees uh, with the uh, with the current regime, uh, and uh, I'm not saying he's a saint. I don't know. I think he's a really gentle, nice guy. Um, but he was in the Capitol doing journalism. He was an independent reporter at the time. He is now head guy of exposing all of the lies using the videotape and has been a very good friend helping understand and helping Congress understand how all these pieces fit together by using actual videotape. That's why they're after him. They're em- he's embarrassing them and showing them to be the liars that they are. They've charged him now with four uh, misdemeanors, but they brought him into the courthouse in ankle cuffs and chains from the wrist to the feet for four misdemeanors. This should be a clarion call to everyone that your republic is about to burn to the ground. Alan Dershowitz was on today's program to talk about that. Also, Ezra Levant called in from Canada to tell us what's happening in Canada. If you think that's bad, wait until you hear what Canada is doing. It is our future. Don't miss a second of today's podcast. It is really important, and it begins after our commercial sponsor. Some people in this world truly are on a mission from God, and nowhere is that truer than with the ministry of preborn. Their mission is very, very simple. Save as many babies as they possibly can from the evils of abortion. Been proud to stand by them as they reach out with love and compassion to pregnant women who in difficult times are at the darkest and most difficult moments of their life. There are very few women that actually don't have a problem with the abortion, at least afterwards. Introducing an expecting mom to her unborn baby through a free ultrasound, that doubles the chances that mom will choose life. But then moms also feel alone. There's nobody to support them. They don't have anywhere to turn. That's why Preborn goes the extra step. That's why they've rescued 280,000 babies through love, compassion, free ultrasounds, and everyday kindness, decency, and support for these moms. They rescue 200 more babies every day. The left uh, fights for death. Will you fight for life? The left won't stop, so we can't either. Donate securely now. Just dial pound 250. Say the keyword baby. It's 28 bucks for an ultrasound so they can provide that mom with a free ultrasound and a picture and a heartbeat of her baby. Preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck. Or to donate uh, on the phone, just use keyword baby at pound 250. Thank you so much. Uh, we have, uh, do we have Ezra on? Ezra, welcome. Thanks very much. Uh, it's good to be here, but I've got bad news, Glenn. Yeah. What? Canada just introduced 
the most draconian anti-free speech censorship bill in our history and in the history of any democratic country. I've never seen anything like it. Okay, hang, hang on, new... hang on, hang on, Ezra. Ezra Levant. Okay, I'll, I'll hang on. I can't wait. I know. Oh, Ezra Levant wait. is uh, the host of the Ezra Levant show. Uh, he started Rebel News, which is like the Blaze, has the same kind of mission as the Blaze. Um, Ezra, we just had uh, one of our reporters um, jailed, picked up by the FBI. Oh um, he was the one that is leading the investigation on January 6th. Um, he was arrested this morning about an hour ago. Uh, and, um, we're in real, we're in real trouble as a nation. We're in real, real trouble. And you guys are following, uh, actually you're leading, I think, um, because you guys have just introduced a bill yesterday that is bone chilling. Well, what you've just reported to me about the arrest of your reporter is terrifying. And I, and I know that you will resist it at all costs. You absolutely must. You cannot allow the arrests of journalists for criticizing the regime to be normalized. That is absolute priority well, one. So as you know, you, as you know, Ezra, that is the mainstream media is not going to cover this. They're not going to cover it. Uh, and you know it's if reprehensible. If he was on the other side of the political aisle, you he would be willing at, winning a Pulitzer. Yeah. Uh, there would be national press conferences for him. You would see Amnesty International talking about it. You might even see the United Nations talking about it. But if yeah. he is conservative-oriented or a critic of the regime, it'll be crickets. Let me tell you what's going on in Canada, because as I always say, what happens in Canada today may happen in the U.S. five years from now. It's like we're a bad time machine to see your future. This week, Justin Trudeau introduced a new bill called Bill C-63. It's got a lot of things in it that are atrocious. He's created a new hate crime bill, life in prison, new hate crime law. There's nothing that gets you life in prison in Canada, not even murder, but hate speech now does. He's created a pre-crime for hate. If you have, quote, fear of hate, fear of hate, that's the, that's the title of the section of the law, you can get a judge to issue a kind of restraining order against your enemy before he does anything, before he says anything. And that restraining order can include house arrest, giving up any lawful firearms, limiting who he can talk to directly or indirectly, limiting the places he can go and requiring him to take uh, urine and blood tests just because you are quote, afraid he might in the future say some hate speech. He doesn't have to have done anything in the past. This is a pre-crime, like in that science fiction movie, Minority Report. That's in this bill. Let me tell you other things in this bill. Donald Trump and his travails with the U.S. legal system, they're covered a lot by the Canadian media. And Justin Trudeau's obsessed with Donald Trump. So he's been watching what Democrats have done, and he's learned from it. Trump is being prosecuted by high-profile prosecutors. Trudeau has won up that. Trudeau has, has now said that anyone in Canada, even non-citizens, can file hate speech complaints against anyone. And if they are successful, they get $20,000 from the target, and the target has to pay a fine of up to $50,000. So let me just say this more clearly. If there's anyone on social media, because this is a social media law Trudeau's introduced, 
if there's anyone who has a YouTube video, a tweet, a Facebook comment that you think creates hate, you can go to the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal and complain about it. You don't have to hire a lawyer. You don't have to spend any money. The government will have the hearing. And if your complaint is upheld, you get 20 grand from the victim. So instead of having maybe 20. Wait, 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 wait. Who gets the 30, the remaining 30? 20 goes to the complainant and an additional 50 goes to the government. So you're on the hook for 70 grand a pop. So let's take someone like Jordan Peterson. Every day he's saying something controversial on YouTube, on Twitter. Oh, and by the way, this applies to all of your historical work that's online. So as long as it's still online and you control it, oh my God, they can go back through your history five years, 10 years. And why wouldn't they complain about literally every tweet you make literally every YouTube video? There's no cost. There's no downside. And even if only 5% of your complaints get through to the target, you're smacking them with 20 grand for yourself and a 50 grand fine. This will create a huge industry. So Trudeau saw what they were doing to Trump and said, I can do one better. I'm not going to have a few sniper shots. I'm going to have a shotgun blast. I'm going to have hundreds of complaints swarming my enemies and I don't even have to do it. I will mobilize a woke army, but there's one more thing. And I, People can't believe it when I tell it to them, but it's right there in the law in black and white. You can make a complaint in secret. And the target of your complaint never gets to know your identity. You can give evidence in secret. The complaint can be made in secret. So you could have a company, a political party, a busybody who's literally filing a hundred a day and you'll never know it. And, and let me just be clear about one thing. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to have any standing. You don't have to be mentioned at all. You can just do this as a hobby, as an obsession, as a job, as a political vengeance. Maybe you're a disgruntled ex-employee. This is all in Bill C-63. And you take it all together. This is the most draconian anti-free speech bill anywhere in the world, other than, I suppose, Iran and China, who just do this stuff naturally. And kill you. Um, yeah. So what does that mean to people like you, Ezra? Because you're going to be attacked. Uh, oh, Rebel we're, News we're is going to be attacked. You're yeah, out. Well, let, me just, let me go to first principles for one second. Let me tell you what they're doing at the basic principle level here. What is a hate crime? What's hate, Glenn? It's a human emotion. If you never feel any hate in your life, you don't have a fully formed personality. The the challenge in life is to take these bad emotions and transform them into positive work, into reforming the world, into fixing a problem. Hate comes from an underlying grievance. So to pass a law to say we're going to ban hatred, that's impossible. If it were possible, we'd have passed the Love Each Other Act a long time ago and we'd be in heaven. So to criminalize a human emotion, it's an insane And that is what the law actually governs the law. And I know because I was charged under a precursor to this law about 15 years ago when I published the Danish cartoons of Mohammed, I was charged with publishing something, quote, likely to expose a person to hatred or contempt, unquote. So it's a pre-crime. It's a future crime. And it's not to do any actual damage. It's just to hurt feelings. And, And that's the thing is 
it's so subjective. We're all guilty in advance. So but he, as the Soviet secret police chief, Lavrenti Beria said, show me the man, I'll find you the crime. We're all guilty of having hate in our hearts. So it's just whoever they choose to prosecute who will get dinged. So tell me this won't pass in Parliament. Well, the reason it was introduced this week is because last week, Justin Trudeau signed a new coalition agreement with a hard left-wing socialist party. Justin Trudeau does not have a majority of seats in our house. So he signed a coalition deal with an even worse party. And I fear this will be passed into law. And I fear, you know, I mean, it'll take some time. They're setting up three new censorship agencies, not one, but three. There will be three new censorship bureaucracies. And I think it's going to take them a number of months to get it going. I think this will probably be operational in 2025. And then it's going to be the final battle, Glenn, because, you know, this this will bankrupt any critic of the regime. And then there's those pre-crime restraining orders. And then there's the actual criminal prosecution. They've created a standalone hate crime law for life in prison. Not even murder gets you that in Canada. So if this passes, you've become a Stasi state, uh, uh, East Germany. Yeah, the secret informants, the secret prosecutions, the secret witnesses, the uh, subjective political nature of the crime, the three different agencies. It's, oh, (laughs) and they have special rules for Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. They say if they get a complaint, a hate complaint, they must take it down within 24 hours or be subject to enormous fines. And so there's no way you can adjudicate if something is right or wrong or fair or not in 24 hours. And the fines are so enormous. Basically, a complaint will automatically get things taken down. Again, I'm going to tell you something now, and you're probably not going to believe me, but I swear it's in the text of the law. There are fines in there that can tag global social media companies 8% of their global revenue. So Justin Trudeau sitting up here in Canada says to Facebook, if you break my law, I will find you 8% of your entire worldwide revenue. That's a $10 billion fine. Now, I think Facebook, YouTube, Google, et cetera, I think they're probably going to push back on this, or maybe they'll just leave Canada and Trudeau's going to be fine with that. Facebook has already left Canadian news because Trudeau said to them, you have to pay $100 million to our list of approved journalists for the pleasure of linking to them. And Facebook said, that makes no sense. We're getting out of the Canadian news business. You cannot post a Canadian news story on Facebook. It blocks it. Trudeau's fine with that because that hurts the independent guys like us. You cannot read Rebel News on Facebook. We're blocked as are every other Canadian news source. We are becoming like China in that there's this great firewall of Canada going up. Trudeau would be happy shutting down any independent sources of news. Soon there will only be two kinds of journalists left in Canada. Government journalists and banned journalists, Glenn. You're listening to the best of Glenn Beck. Check out the full show podcast to listen to the rest of this interview. Okay, more from the podcast here in just a second. Most charitable read of the the way the government handles our economy is that they're just asleep at the wheel. That's not true. The economic upheaval we're experiencing is being done 
on purpose. According to a recent Business Insider article, Jamie Dimon, Jeff Bezos, and Mark Zuckerberg have all been selling stock in their own companies to the tune of about $9 billion. Now, what do they know that you don't? My grandfather used to always say in the Great Depression, if we just knew what the millionaires knew. Now it's the billionaires, and they're selling. A storm is coming, and Lear Capital is here to help you build a shelter that will withstand the storm. That's gold or silver. I bought my very first gold with Lear Capital. That was two decades ago. Since that time, my investment has actually quadrupled. Do your own homework. Check them out today. In fact, just ask them for their free wealth protection guides. Lear will also credit your account $250 just to welcome you to the family because you're a Glenn Beck listener. Just call them now at 800-957-GOLD. 800-957-GOLD. Now back to the podcast. Alan Dershowitz is uh, with us. And Alan... um, I have to tell you, I, uh, I'm i experiencing a day I never thought I would experience in America. Um, the company that I founded is under attack by the uh, government. One of our uh, reporters is going to face a judge here in a few minutes. Uh, he, We have the tape of him in the Capitol, uh, and he has been uh, charged with, I don't, where did, what happened to the charges, Stu? Do you have them? Um. I have them digitally here. Go ahead. Give me one second. Uh, charges are as follows. Uh, knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. Now, that's one he's talked about. And he said, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a journalist. And I know even as a journalist. The New York I, Times was there. I'm not allowed to be in these, biz- these buildings even if I'm co- um, covering these stories. However... Uh, the fifth person through a broken window to enter the Capitol was a New York Times journalist, and they are not being charged. And he didn't enter through a broken window. The other two char- or three charges. Disorderly happen. and disruptive conduct in a restricted didn't building happen. or grounds. Disorderly conduct in the Capitol building. Didn't happen. Parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. Didn't happen. Alan, what do we do? Well, you know, when the government starts going after journalists, you know we're in real, real problem. When they go after them selectively, for example, a group of anti-Israel demonstrators early on, even before Israel sent in troops to Gaza, uh, were demonstrating right in the Capitol Rotunda. And um, uh, they were just, you know, politely asked to leave. Uh, no no charges, as far as I know, have been brought uh, likewise, with many, many other demonstrations, and for example, Black Lives Matter demonstrations and other demonstrations, when the government can pick and choose which journalists to go after and which protesters to go after, you know, we're 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 in uh, in, in in Russia, Iran, Cuba territory, not not Thomas Jefferson territory, uh, where he, as soon as he became president, he rescinded the Alien and Sedition laws that had uh, blemished our statute books after the enactment of the First Amendment. So we have to stand up and protect our journalists. And, uh, you know, I'm representing one of the people as well, a young law student uh, who went into the Capitol and was charged with a felony. As you know, the Supreme Court has granted review, and we'll hear arguments soon, uh, in a case involving whether or not you can charge obstruction of a proceeding. And so uh, I think the Supreme Court may give us some important guidance as to the limitations 
on what can be done to people who protested on uh, on, on January 6th. Look, I, my, myself personally, I believe the election was uh, acceptable, uh, but I also believe that anybody who disagrees with that has an absolute right to protest it and protest it uh, in a way that our First Amendment uh, protects and but journalists the, are doubly protected. Yeah, he, he wasn't protesting. He was there mm-hmm. to cover what was going on. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, protesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, he, uh, he has the right to protest. He has the right to cover. He has the right to report. And the government has no power to arrest somebody. And these charges, uh, you know, uh, trespassing and uh, Justice Brandeis, in a great opinion, 100 years ago, said that even trespass laws must give way to the First Amendment. If if you're, in his case, he was saying, if you're protesting capitalism and you walk on the lawn of a corporation illegally, the First Amendment uh, prevails. Um, and so this is a case that probably will end up uh, in, in the right way, but not until uh, he's dragged and wear shackles and he has to wear, a, you know, all that stuff. Uh, that, that's harassment. Uh, I would think that all these cases should be stayed pending the Supreme Court decision because we don't know how far the court decision will go in permitting um, uh, protesters. And and, and it doesn't even do it with journalists. As you say, journalists um, have a special right under the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law, no law, abridging the freedom of the press. And this is the freedom of the press. Alan, before we move on to other things, I I would like to talk to you about hiring you if if that i don't even know how to go about doing that but i i, I, would, I, I don't i don't get hired on first amendment cases i i i, I do it pro bono I've okay done, well then uh, half of my cases in my life have been pro bono i think almost all of my first amendment cases it's crazy virtually all of my first amendment cases have been pro bono and i think i've won them all so I, uh i have a i have a pretty good record and I'm i know you do to, to help out I'm happy to help out. Uh, thank you. I, I have to tell you, I, we're living in a country. You said to me six months ago, you know, if these things happen, we're definitely living in a banana republic. And I, have those things gotten worse or better? Oh, they've gotten much worse. And especially the selective application. Uh, yes. and, and again, I don't want to focus too much on this because that's the subject of the show. But these veeringly pro-Hamas, uh, anti-Israel demonstrations that have involved spitting at Jews and uh, calling them filthy names and uh, and hitting them and harassing them, that's, they've been allowed to go on. Um, whereas if you say anything negative about somebody of color, about a gay person, or about you know this administration, uh, you're, you're in deep trouble. It's this selective misuse of uh, prosecutions in the context of freedom of speech that's so dangerous. If the government can pick and choose who to go after, I mean, as we're talking now, the funeral of Navalny is going on in in Russia, and right. uh, people are going to be prosecuted uh, if they're on one side. If they demonstrate in favor of Putin, hey, they're going to get medals. But if they demonstrate against Putin, you know where they're going to end up. And we can't allow ourselves to become that kind of a a country, and and so, we have to stand up against it, regardless of what our personal views may be of the events at issue. Uh, we have to stand up for a single standard of free speech and th- free journalism. I think that's what bothers me so much about this uh, Fonnie Willis trial, 
These guys, yeah. I've never seen, I've seen people perjure themselves before, but I've never seen them do it with such zeal. I mean, she didn't oh, even have, you. she didn't even have to testify. And she was like, no, uh-uh, you're going to want to ask I me I want to go up there. I want to yeah. go up there and lie. Right. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a lie detector in my brain, but I've been doing this now 60 years, and I think I can tell the difference between people who are telling the truth and people who are hiding the truth. And the three key witnesses in the, in the Finney Willis case, um, obviously, were doing everything to prevent the truth from coming out. I just wonder, and we'll know in a few hours, maybe, what the judge's attitude is going to be toward this. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for an elected judge in, in, in uh, the same county where she's elected as the DA to look her in the eye and say, I just don't believe you. I think you may be lying. Um, but I think she may be lying. And I think most Americans who watched it on channels other than CNN, CNN, of course, said, oh, she's wonderful. She didn't, uh, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the witnesses haven't done anything wrong. Uh, this is, a, she's a fantastic. This, but if you watched it on any other channel, um, you would see for yourself. I mean, who are you going to believe? CNN or your lying eyes? Um, but um, the, 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 it was so clear that uh, this, this witness who came forward, the partner of Nathan Wade, was doing everything in his power to try to take back what he had written, he had written right. in emails and texts, and it's clear that their relationship began before they said she began, but they, you know, he had gotten a phone call from a friend. I don't know whether it was a threatening phone call or what, but clearly he decided when he took that witness stand, oh, no, 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 I'm not testifying against uh, these so, guys. So uh, you, you also have the triangulation of their phones, uh, yeah. that, that show, I mean, and I don't believe, I mean, Alan, this is the, this is the stuff that you would use or anybody else would use to convict a murderer. It's the, it is the go-to uh, tracking of phones and they're trying to make it sound like, oh, well, you can't trust that he might've been in the area. This is you know, I can, craziness. I, I can tell you, I have a case right now. I won the appeal for a man convicted of murder. Uh, I won the appeal. It then went back. And they had tracking uh, material. They had the pings. And as the result of, uh, of the pings, um, uh, he's now in prison. Uh, and uh, I, what I, what I, I wrote a piece about this, and I said, is Tony Willis going to now go in front of the court and say every prosecution yes. that I ever brought, brought based on pings, I now want to see them thrown out. I want to see these people go free. She is, she is destroying one of the major weapons that technology has now provided uh, prosecutors. Look, she has a right to say it's circumstantial evidence, and it is circumstantial evidence, but it's damn compelling circumstantial evidence. Right. If the guy is right near her apartment at 11, 10 o'clock at night and leaves at 2.30 in the morning, uh, you know, that's uh, reasonable people can infer from that. Maybe he was in her apartment doing a little hanky-panky during those relevant hours, uh, the hours in which most of these encounters occur. So, uh, you know, let the fact finder infer. Uh, let's see what the fact finder infers uh, from this. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. Look, I wrote a book. I, you know, I've just finished my, this is hard to believe. I've just finished writing and publishing my fourth book in one year. Oh I'm God. so upset at what's going on. Four books in one year. The first one was Get Trump. The most recent one is War Against the Jews. But in the Get Trump book, um, I go through all of these cases and it's so clear 
that this is selective prosecution, that if his name wasn't Donald Trump, and if he wasn't trying to become president again, I'm not going to vote for him. I'm not a Trump supporter, but I am a supporter of the Constitution. If his name wasn't Trump and he wasn't running, there's no way he would be charged in Florida, in Washington, D.C., in New York, in, um, in, in Fulton County. These are all selective prosecutions, and we have to really stand up against it, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, a liberal, a conservative. We all share a commitment to the rule of law and to the Constitution. That's why I write books. That's why I can't stop writing. Um, my, my new book, uh, War Against Woke, has just been published. It's uh, coming out in the next couple of weeks. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a writing frenzy. That's all I can do. It's frustrating. I'm 85 years old. If I was 25 years old, I think I'd be volunteering in Gaza to try to help destroy Hamas. But I'm 85, so all I can do is write and write and write and be on shows like yours. To show that uh, age doesn't matter, uh, Alan Dershowitz, who is 85, as he just said, uh, and sharp as a tack. Uh, Alan, thank you so much for everything. Oh, it's um, my pleasure. Thank you for doing what you do and keeping America on the right track. Thank you. Bye-bye. Alan Dershowitz. Um, just every time he says it, when he says his age, I cannot stop I thinking about the president of the United States. I know. There's a total difference. Um, totally I, this is a very difficult day to be broadcasting. Um, uh, we are facing real trouble. I mean, that was an honest ask on my part for Alan Dershowitz, because I don't know who will defend the right to free speech, the right of the First Amendment. I don't know what attorney is willing to do that. And for the first time in my life, I actually feel like, in not a joking way, I've got to hire Alan Dershowitz. The good news is I founded a company that has grown a spine well beyond mine. And uh, we are not going to be intimidated. We are not going to be frightened away. And we're not going to stop. But with everything that is going on in the world, Steve Baker, who was arrested today by the FBI and charged with nonsense. We are going to defend him. We are going to make him famous. We're going to make him into the journalist the FBI claims he's not. And we're going to do that by showing you the proof. They threatened him for three years, four years, but they didn't do it until he joined us. We understand the consequences, but you will not intimidate us. If our if it means that we go to jail, so be it. So be it. None of us want to go to jail, but I would rather be in jail than kowtow to wannabe dictators. We cannot do what we do without you. I hate to pitch on this but we so need you to join us. 
blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Join us, please, at The Blaze. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Joined today by uh, Stuber Gear, our executive producer, and uh, Ricky Feldman, who is uh, my executive producer for television. Um, and... Uh, the real journalist among the three of us. Um, so we are waiting now in front of the uh, the justice building, if you can call it that, uh, the courthouse here in Dallas. Uh, one of our colleagues has been arrested today for January 6th. Um, could we just play the, the footage that we got from the Capitol uh, last night uh, there? I mean, look at this. He Steve is in this footage in the Capitol from January 6th. He is up against the wall right there. He's either writing or he is checking the pictures on his camera to make sure he's gotten the shots that he wants. Not he's, even looking at what's going on he at is, that point. He's writing. Yeah, he's not engaged in anything other than writing or something. Uh, and then soon he's going to move around the crowd and he's going to stand in a doorway Doing exactly the same thing, except taking pictures. Doesn't it look very disorderly no. to me? No. He's no. just texting or writing Not a writing whole lot of parading. Notes. His tripod is actually up against the wall. Have you seen all of this footage? <laughs> no, we, we've only got, like, you heard the congressman tell No, no, you. no. I mean, have you seen all five minutes of this? Oh, one? yeah. It's boring as snot. It's very it? boring. It's, <laughs> it's uh, I could see why the FBI didn't want to look at this. I mean, this is not parading. He's not even engaged with the crowd. He sits, he's leaning against the wall as the crowd passes by, and it takes notes. We've seen him try to document the events that are going on. But, like, people in front of him are cheering, waving their flags. He's just leaning against the wall. Writing. Writing. And taking photographs and videos. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> This is this is insane. But then again, this is this is not the only journalist. Uh, the other journalist that all other journalists seem to have turned their back on uh, is uh, Catherine Erge. She was at CBS, right? She was just fired. She's been all over. She's worked at Fox, ABC, yeah. NBC, Fox, mm-hmm. uh, and she was at CBS. They just fired her. And now she is facing jail time because she won't reveal the source of a witness. And uh, that witness that whistleblowed to her was whistleblowing on how there is an infiltration in our universities from China. And the government wants to know who her source was. And so they're putting her in jail. What a surprise it has something to do with China. Hmm? So that's two journalists in jail today. Ricky, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jill. Um, Jill Savage is down at the courthouse, and she's. we're waiting for Steve to come out, but what is the situation? Have you heard, Jill? 
Yeah, I did. I was just up in the room with Steve Baker as he was going through his arraignment. He was there with four uh, four defendants walked in. Steve, it was nice enough uh, that they were letting him wear his blue dress pants and dress shirts. So the orange jumpsuit that we were talking about earlier on the show, Glenn, did not happen, but oh. he was indeed shackled at his wrists and ankles. Steve looked over at us as he walked in to the to the courthouse and, and definitely showed uh, those, those shackles there on his wrists and ankles. And Steve, it is going to be known that he will be released sometime today. They were asked that. The government lawyer said that that was fine, that that was going to be part of, of today's proceedings. Um, and then he will be set to appear in court in the District of Columbia on March 14th at 12.30 Eastern Standard. So and that will be the next thing that we should look for for Steve Baker. Do we know the judge, Stu, in the... Um in the charges, it was signed by a District of Columbia judge. We should look up the judge. Is that the hanging judge? In the, I mean, he's going into territory now where, he, you know, good luck getting a fair trial. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one of the things that the, the lawyers definitely knew what they were getting in for today. We were able to speak with them just briefly uh, before they went up into the courtroom. But that is now the unknown, is what happens when things do get to the District of Columbia on March 14th. Uh, tell Steve that I talked to Alan Dershowitz today, and uh, Alan is uh, willing to get involved uh, pro bono to help him uh, for free speech cases. This isn't the only one, unfortunately, that is now popping up. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's Jill Savage. Yeah, She's a, I'll definitely let him know. Uh, Blaze TV reporter. And if he shows up, we'll uh, take him. I'm Jill's going to interview him immediately. Um, but we'll take that. And is that the same with um, uh, Steve Dace? Is he going to take that? Or should if we stay on? Or Steve will, uh, he'll be able to talk to Steve Baker if uh, we miss him in this last half okay. hour. So if you're Blaze TV subscriber, uh, Steve Dace takes over for me in about uh, 20 minutes. Uh, and um, and he will he will continue our coverage on this. It is a really dark day for America. Um, he was Steve Baker is a guy who is an investigative journalist. He's an independent correspondent that we had used. We have since hired him. Uh, and I think that's when his real trouble began, um, because we had the money to be able to uh, fund him going in with a whole staff of people to go through these 40,000 hours of, uh, of video on January 6th. And we showed that, I mean, these guys who have been convicted by testimony of absolute liars, provable liars, what he did a few weeks ago with um, two of the people that are testifying against a lot of these people uh, in January 6th, we, Steve went and he followed them on all of the video cameras in the Capitol and he could track them and where they said they were and what they said they saw and what they said they did and what the crowd did all lies, not even close, not like, oh, well, you can see how he not even close. They weren't even there. And that's what Steve's been working on. And he's working on another story um, that uh, I can't tell you. It's not my place. And I don't think he has it all buttoned up. But if it is true, if he can prove it, 
It's regime changing. Uh, regime changing. Hang on just a second, Ricky. What? Okay. I am starting to look through the complaint from the government. There are some quotes in here that, you know, if Steve said this and if they're in context, it looks damning. Um, I'm not a lawyer, so it would probably be good to have Alan Dershowitz look at it and it, just to ask Steve himself if we can. Um, I've emailed a few of those to you. To me? Yeah, I've emailed a few of those to you while they just came out while we were on air. And, and where did those come from? This is from the actual government complaint that was just released today. Certainly go through this as we uh, as we get it and uh, all the information that, that comes through. Is, it's going to be a, a lot of legal wrangling and, and looking at this through not only the lens of public opinion, but also mm -hmm. obviously the legal lens, which is going to be the more important thing for Steve personally. Um, but regardless, you, you know, you we we've seen how many times the behind no the scenes this. no way no way he said this the behind the scenes uh text messages of of fbi officials and cia officials and journalists uh on the other side they say all sorts of stuff uh you know this has been common and honestly usually dismissed by the, and, by the left yeah, and certainly right. the, the legal institutions. And uh, by the way, all you have to do is smear somebody in a way you can't prove. Smear somebody in because already anybody who is arrested for January 6th is going to be discredited by half the country. Half the country will say, well, he got what he deserved. Um, we have the videotape. Uh, you know, if, if look, if he broke the law, I'm, I'm, I'll stand against him. I've told him that to his face 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if I go in there and if I see you hitting, hitting a cop over the head with a flagpole, I'm going to be rooting for you to be in prison for many, many years. Yeah. Well, uh, there's just no evidence of this. No, none, none. Uh, and that's all they need. They just need people to, uh, say, well, he's got what he deserved. Da, da, da.